Jesus has been traveling around in the towns and the villages. He's been teaching in the synagogues. He's been proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven to anyone who will listen. He's been healing illnesses and disabilities of every kind. He sees the crowds and he says they're like sheep without a shepherd and his heart just breaks for them. And he has compassion on them. And now he has sent the disciples out and they have returned discouraged and ready to give up. Lloyd Watson is the 10th child in a family of 14 children. He grows up on a farm in Oklahoma and during World War II he serves as a platoon leader, a mortar pl platoon leader, battling the uh, German front. He recalls how under heavy shelling he and another a uh, guy from Oklahoma had shown up at the front line and begun first thing digging their trench, their foxholes, and then they got their first glimpse of the horrors of war because as they dug, they realized they were surrounded by human body parts. Mr. Watson attributes his survival of World War II to the teaching of his father and his life on the farm. He says, my dad was a strict man, not a severe man but strict. He says he would send us out to do a job and we did not dare to come back in and say oh well this happened or that happened or I just couldn't get that done. He said oh no <laughs> we used our ingenuity to overcome the problem and see that the job got done. The world is a rough place to do ministry. It's uh, no doubt a very rough place. It would be so much easier if we didn't have to deal with the world and we could just somehow minister to one another. But we will minister to the world because that's where Jesus has called us. And if we speak up, we can expect rejection and some of it's gonna be harsh. Jeremiah faced much hostility and as a prophet and Jesus faced hostility and abuse as the savior of the world. So why would we expect anything else? Jesus needs disciples who will find a way when there is no way. He is sending us in the world to gather in a divine harvest, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven and that it has come near through word and deed to make disciples of all nations. And he expects us, I think, to use our God-given grit and ingenuity to get the job done. I was reading this week about Dr. Reverend Clarence Jordan. I didn't know his name. Uh, he's a man who knew all about discipleship in the midst of adversity. He graduated from the University of Georgia with an agricultural degree, and then he went on and he got his Master's of Divinity, uh, in New, I'm sorry, Master's of Divinity from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and then he got a PhD in New Testament from the same Southern Baptist Seminary. He thought after all that training that Jesus meant that we should take these commands literally, that we should take his invitation to go out into the world to heart, that it should become a way of life. His family thought he was a bit too radical, so they decided they were gonna have him committed to a mental institution just to kind of coop him up. But he was saved from that plot by one sister out of all those siblings. Her name was Cornelia, and she put a halt to it. 
A man's foes will be his own family, Jesus said. In 1942, Cornelius established something called Koinonia Farm. It's an integrated community in a place called Americus, Georgia. He started it with three families, 18 people. In the New Testament, the church is called a koinonia. Koinonia, which means common, fellowship. They called themselves a, denomi a, a, sorry, a demonstration plot for the kingdom of God. They were going to be a test case of what it would look like if you enacted heaven on earth. The koinonia mission was that they would live together as Christians in, a, in an intentional community. They would share a life of prayer and work and study and service and fellowship. And everyone who joined it had to make four commitments. They had to hold Jesus in a special place in their heart. They had to accept all people as their brothers and sisters. They had to share everything equally according to need, not greed. And they had to, uh, they had to value nonviolence as a way of life. Koinonia started in 1942. One of the early residents of this place was Con Brown, who lived in Koinonia from 49 to 63. He says, we were a group of people trying to live out the spirit of the early church. It wasn't easy. Mr. Brown recalls that the Koinonia folks had a hard time finding a place to worship. They were kicked out of the Rehoboth Baptist Church for bringing a, a guy named P.L. Joseph to worship with them. Mr. Joseph was uh, a Native American man, so they had to try out some other churches. The Disciples of Christ were worried that if they allowed the Koinonia people to come in, which also meant they were bringing black folks in with them, that the building being wooden might be burned to the ground, so they asked them to please move on. Don't fear the lynch mob, though, Jesus says. If you want to be afraid of somebody, fear God. The Presbyterian Church said they wanted to get to know us better first, Mr. Brown said, although we thought it was kind of hard to get to know people if you can't go to church with them. The Catholic Church was wooden, so they, again, were worried about a fire. They tried three or four more. They went to the Episcopal Church. Somebody said they won't even know you're there. We went for a year, Mr. Brown said. They had a great priest, but the congregation was a little less enthusiastic about our presence, and eventually the bishop asked us to move on. So we went to some black churches, too. But there we were treated differently because we were white. So they sat us in the choir loft, and they passed a separate plate for us, separate basket. The KKK burned a house on the pasture by the creek, People cut our fences and let our cows and pigs out. One summer, no night passed without shots being fired nearby. In fact, once Elizabeth Morgan, a Quaker, and Dorothy Day, who was visiting the, com the community, were keeping the night watch, and they were sitting in an old green Plymouth parked off on the side of the road, and a bullet came right through the radiator and dropped their, believe the instrument panel, at Dorothy's feet. They said they figured out that those bullets were fired from machine guns that the National Guard had supplied to the GIs. It stopped once word got to Washington. If they called the master of the house Beelzebul, Jesus says, how much more will they malign those 
who are of the household. So have no fear of them for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered and nothing secret that will not become known. Ms. Georgia Solomon was born in 1942, the same year that the Koinonia farm was born. She says, Deborah Mosley and Jan Jordan, who were two members of Koinonia, found her and her kids. She says, we didn't have much money to live on. The kids would sleep in the bed with me to keep me company. But when Deborah and Jan found out, they were surprised. They said, well, why didn't you tell us? And I told them I was trying to do on my own. I was ashamed to show what I had, that I had no food and no diapers. They said, you've got three babies and one in the belly. You cannot do on your own. And they brought diapers and slips and dresses and sweaters. And I stayed right there in that house, she said. And they asked me, would you like a house built? And she said, are you crazy? I have six children. But they built me a house. She said, me and two other people, we still pray for Koinonia, that the Koinonia will reach out and bless and help people and neighbors, but the work is slow. She says, Brother Clarence, he was there a long time. His work was hard and slow. You have to walk and not stop. You have to run and not faint. Zev was at Koinonia from 1959 to 1965. He was one of the infamous American Four who were arrested for voter registration of African Americans during the Civil Rights Movement. Those four, Zev, Ralph, Allen, John Perdue, and Don Harris were tried for treason, a crime which carries the death penalty in Georgia, but they were later exonerated. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Miss Queenie says there were some terrible places people lived in, holes in the floor, no running water. The first people I ever knew were the white people at Koinonia. She said, I was just a little child then. I was a little bit older when I found out that not all white folks were like them. I think my daddy was the first person Clarence ever hired to work full-time on the farm. Koinonia didn't have much, but what they had, they shared. She says, my daddy and my mama wanted to buy a house. They went and talked to Clarence about it, and the next thing you know, daddy and Clarence and Millard and my mama were picking out the exact spot where they were going to build a brand new home for us. The day we moved in, it was a day just full of the purest joy, she said. I was all grown by then, but it was like I was a little child all over again, and we were all busy unpacking stuff and laughing, and my mama and daddy and brother and sister were running all over the house talking about who was going to be in what room, and there was some arguing, but everybody was just happy. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs on your head are all counted. So do not be afraid, for you are of more value than many sparrows. That house still stands at Koinonia Farm today.
It is known as the first Habitat House. They called it partnership housing. Those in need of adequate shelter could work side by side with volunteers to build decent, affordable houses. The houses are built at no profit. The homeowner's house payments get combined with no interest loans provided by supporters and money which is earned by fundraising and that pooled money establishes a fund for humanity that's used then to build more homes. Habitat for Humanity has helped people build homes all over the world. Our congregation has been a part of building some of those houses. It's just one example of what a few disciples can achieve in spite of adversity. When we rely on God, persist in faith, use our God-given, spirit-driven gift for ingenuity to do the work that Jesus has called us to. Amen.